Hello and welcome to the Daily Post podcast. My name is Yuri Mello. I will be your host as I guide you through the most valuable and relevant emotional and psychological ideas. Ideas that will transform your perspective and enhance your personal life and relationships. Let's do this. This is episode 21. People, it is Humility Week. Get ready. You extraordinary person, I am so glad that you are here. I have been fascinated by this this idea, this principle, this way of being that is humility and this concept of being meek. And today, as I talk to you, I, I hope that you can see the benefit I hope that you can feel encouraged and motivated to change your style in the way that you are to becoming a bit more humble. I have found over my time in therapy and in life, really, that a deep and profound sense of humility and meekness is a necessary precursor to all change and a powerful philosophy that will provide you with a deep sense of peace and compassion. Now, you may wonder why that is. Why is humility and meekness a precursor to change? And I hope that you find as I talk about this topic that you realize that this internal softness, that this internal willingness is exactly what you need. It's exactly what I need, not only to live this life in a compassionate and grateful way, but to navigate the challenge that is necessary in our work and in our life and in our family relationships. I find that this simple thought, this simple idea, keeps us mindfully open, soft-hearted, compassionate towards ours and others' plight. In that, I hope that you find that ignorance is a constant companion in this life and something that we need to accept. Yes, there is truth. In fact, I find that I believe that one of the great purposes in this life is to seek for it. And hopefully we find pieces of it here and hopefully we find pieces of it there. But this state of humbly seeking, praying, meditating is essential because it removes us from the brainful, hard-hearted, and resistant state of thinking that we know all there is to know and elevates us to the more mindful, soft-hearted, and willing state of discovering what each event is revealing to us. There is this amazing parable. It is by far my favorite story in the Bible. Regardless of where you sit spiritually, it doesn't matter. Just listen. There is this great parable. It's called the parable of the sower. It's also known as the parable of the three soils, and you'll see why in a few moments. But it's found in the book of Matthew. And the story goes like this. There is a man that goes out to sow seeds. And I imagine him walking through a field, reaching out into a canvas bag, grabbing and casting the seeds 
upon the ground. Now some of these seeds, they fall on the paths that crisscross and run through this field. Others fall on rocky ground, others fall among weeds, and others fall on good ground. Now the seeds that fall on the hard path are quickly picked up by birds and eaten. The seeds that fall upon the rocky ground take root and germinate and grow. But when the heat of the day comes, it scorches the small plant because the roots have remained in the surface, unable to penetrate the hard ground. The seeds that fell among the weeds also grow and germinate, but are quickly overcome and dried out by the weeds that choke the life out of it. And finally, the seeds that fall in the soft ground the ground that has been prepared, grow, take root, and give forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. When Jesus taught this parable, I think the disciples were a bit confused because they asked for the interpretation, what does this mean? Why are you teaching us this way? And he explained to his disciple that the soils, the three different soils, right, Actually, there are four because it's the path, it's the, the hard ground, it's the ground with the weeds. We're representative of the state of men's hearts and their willingness to hear and understand. And those people whose ground was broken and prepared, right, the rocks and the weeds had been removed, were able to receive and internalize the word and thus were able to reap the fruit of their preparation. Now, it's, it's all about this, this ground that is broken. It's all about this ground that is prepared. And that's really what this episode is about. It is about preparing your heart. Mm-hmm. It's about preparing your heart so that you can receive and learn what life has to give and be ready to receive what life has in store for you. It is wonderful to be a therapist because I often get to visit with people who walk into my office in this state of preparation, right? Life has been difficult for them, sometimes traumatic. And as a result, their heart is broken and their mind is willing. They're in a state of preparation to hear the truth, to challenge old notions, and to take action that will yield the positive and lasting fruit that they've hoped for. It's tragic, but it's beautiful at the same time to meet these individuals. And when I do, I admit, I admit that my heart rejoices because of their circumstances, because I know that progress is inevitable when we are in that state of preparation. I often tell couples who come into my office to begin by fully accepting this lowly state of ignorance. But usually what happens is they come in angry or hurt by something that their partner has done or things that they are doing to one another. They're angry because they can't see or feel beyond their expectations. They feel betrayed because they can't see beyond their partner's faults. They react from a brainful state and retaliate with silence or some other form of violence, right? They think they're helping each other or the marriage when in the reality they're destroying the fragile foundation their marriage needs to be built upon, which is compassion and understanding. But compassion and understanding are difficult to come by 
because they believe that they know better and that their partner should know better. Perhaps they do know. But what I find is that they don't, in part because their behavior and response to the other is not only making things worse, but at times it provokes the very behavior or feelings they're trying to repair. When we approach life fully, fully accepting our ignorance, our foolishness, even finding a sense of humor in it, you will find yourself increasingly able to move beyond your mistakes instead of getting stuck in the black holes of shame and hopelessness. You live your life like a scientist and become a student of your own life as you observe life around you and your own behaviors and choices. You'll find a beautiful balance between those things that you will sacrifice greatly and attach to and those that are meaningless and that you will not attach to. Two, you'll see yourself and others with a lovely sense of compassion and understanding. You won't get tripped up every time somebody around you makes a mistake because you already know that they're a mess. We're a mess. I'm a mess. But we can learn to do better. And we're not caught up in our own self-righteousness or the fact that people we love have stumbled. We can become sources of refuge and growth for these people. Number three, we can elevate our own personal perspective beyond labels and chronic and terminal diagnoses to a mindset of growth and a constant and a constant evolution which is really the truth of who we are as you radically accept this truth about you right that you are ignorant right that's what it is that's the truth the truth is that we're fools, massively ignorant, and we're not very good at this life. But we can learn, right? And when we fully accept that, you can increase your ability to be fully present and clear when things go awry, which will be often. You won't be taken over by old trauma, paranoid anxieties, and urges to punish and condemn. You will instead be full of mind and respond in a way that is congruent with what you truly want to accomplish. You won't feel the need to personalize and internalize the mistakes of others because their errors are not about you. Their mistakes simply reveal their ignorance about themselves and their lack of mindfulness. People's mistakes, insecurity, anger, jealousy, and manipulative behaviors don't make them happy. Misery is the natural outcome of that kind of blindness. Their sins may have a different name than yours, but both possess within them the seeds of redemption, love, growth, and evolution. And when you and I are armed with this truth and a correct understanding of our personal and collective standing, it will allow our relationships to those individuals to be one of healing and progress instead of judgment and condemnation. <laughs> I urge you to become a fool. I know that sounds weird. Well, maybe I'm too late. You're already a fool. I certainly am. More importantly, see your role as an ignorant fool. <laughs> You're thinking, oh my gosh, this is the worst advice I've ever heard. Yuri has lost his mind. But listen, our purpose is to grow. I want you to let your heart be soft, lowly, broken, so that when events and circumstances happen around you, you'll be able to extract those seeds of truth that are embedded in those events. 
planted them internally and rejoice in the fruit instead of being rigid, hard-hearted, and unwilling to learn from the events of life and the mistakes of others. My friend, welcome to Humility Week. Welcome. I hope that this changes your life. I hope it changes your relationship. I hope it changes your relationship with you so that you can become gentler and more prone to grow instead of always condemning, critiquing, being self-deprecating. My friend, I want you to live an extraordinary life, a life of compassion towards others and yourself. And when you humble yourself, then that is normal. It will be natural. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you take my challenge to learn and become more humble, more broken, more willing. This doesn't mean that you become a carpet for others to walk across. It just means that we're willing and ready to learn from the experiences that happen around us. My friend, have a wonderful week, and I'll see you tomorrow.